I think God tried to put me in, in that path long before I actually was paying attention. Um, the, my, the first recollection of Bruce, honestly, is um, it must have been 75 because I step out of Friendly's Ice Cream in Chelmsford, uh, senior in high school, and um, Billy Martin's standing there and he goes, check this out. And he shows me Time Magazine. He goes, Bruce Springsteen's in the cover of Time Magazine. And I'm in my head going, what exactly is a Bruce Springsteen and why should I care? Um, and so we're like, okay, great, good for you. I'm glad you're happy, Bill. Walked away. And then further on, I'm, um, I'm living out in California. I have a friend who's going to University of California, Davis. I go spend a weekend in the dorms with him. And um, his friend's playing this uh, Born to Run album. And kind of in the background, I'm like, who is that? That's, that's pretty good, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, again, not paying attention. And then uh, come back from the army, and um, uh, my friend Jimmy. I'm living in. I'm going to Rhode Island School of Photography at the time. Now defunct, not Rhode Island School of Design. That's a real school. And um, my friend Jimmy Laughlin says, "Hey, you know, you're living in Providence. Um, you know, Springsteen's playing at the Civic Center, and uh, you know, I got a ticket for you. Can we crash at your place?" And I'm like. How much is the ticket? He's like $15. I'm like, oh, geez, $15. But I thought, you know, it's a chance to see my friend Jim and like, okay, you know, come on down. Bruce Springsteen, born to run, can't understand half the words he says anyway. So yeah, I'll go Um, just to see him. This is Jimmy. Yeah. And um, so he shows up with five guys. We go to Springsteen and I, you know, when you see people talk about their first Billy Graham revival meeting and how they found Jesus and were touched by the Lord and, you know, all that stuff that I've never had on a religious level like that. Um, I got it. I, I, I think the only song I really knew any words to were for you at the time. And I, I saw someone play from the floor to the top of the highest speaker, just B to the W all out, you know, uh, I am here for you. You matter. Um, he knew Dave Decker had never been to a show and he wanted to make sure I personally had a good experience. I mean, that's what it felt like. It was, it was touched by an angel and, and I was, you know, it was bye-bye Carpenters and Donnie Marie and we were airborne. everyone and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. And joining me today is another Springsteen fan that is a friend of a friend. Um, this is a referral uh, podcast. Uh, Dave Decker, welcome to the show, Dave. Thanks, Jesse. Great to be here. Yeah. Uh, so tell us a little about yourself. Um. I happen to be working for uh, Sunrun, which is the largest residential home installer in the country. So we're saving the planet, saving people money, all that good stuff. By night, I do stand-up comedy, and uh, I've been a Springsteen fan since, uh, I'm going to say, 1980-81. What's the question you get 
the most that you're tired of hearing when someone tells you, when you tell someone you do stand up? Um, they always try to give you, oh, you know what happened to me at my office the other day? Um, you know, somebody uh, was at the coffee maker and they farted and everybody like ran away. Like, you should tell that on stage. I'm like, well, no, that's not my story. Like, it's, right. not, it's not funny to me. It's not my personal experience, but they, they want you to take what they think is funny and try to tell the rest of the world about it. And that's very hard to do. Yeah, Comedy is very personal. Yeah, it, it really is. And um, I, I can imagine they have a good heart, but oh, it yeah. just isn't the same thing, right? Right. Well, they'll tell you that joke that you've heard 3,000 times. So then, the, you know, three Jews walk into a bar. Oh, here we go. I know this one, you know. And yes. like, so. That's good. Uh, yeah, I was always thinking like the, oh, good, we'll be funny. Okay, yeah. I, I will. Yeah. I'll yeah. Yeah. Funny tell me, no, go, yeah. You know, yeah. Tell me a joke. You're funny. Like, no, no, I'm not. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. hilarious. Um, dollars and get on. You know, yeah. And, you know. <laughs> how, um, how you been doing during the pandemic? Uh, comedy wise, uh, uh or just life wise. I was going to say, speaking of funny, let's yes. talk about oh. the world pandemic. <laughs> how about all those dead people? Um, uh, pandemic wise hasn't been bad. I, uh, like moved into a new, a new town and everything in the middle of pandemic. So like, I'm still waiting to go out and explore it and meet most of my neighbors and all that stuff. So that was a little weird, but, um, uh, I had COVID for like a week. I had one symptom. I had a nagging cough and that was it. No temperature, no nothing else. So I can't say I had COVID in that tragic, you know, um, horrible sense that a lot of people went through. Um, but that was fine. And, and you know, our business is being out there visiting homeowners. So that was shut down for a while. So that was hard, but now we're really an essential business because we're providing electricity. And uh, so we've been back out there. And so all in all, it's been pretty good. It, you know, it's kind of allowed me to just kind of regroup and focus on getting this new place together and all that good stuff. So. Yeah. We mentioned a little bit before uh, we hit record uh, you said, oh, Texas, you've gone through a rough one. Um, I guess you're very, uh, like, uh, the experience of us having rolling blackouts and not having power must hit home to you. Uh, yo, absolutely. I mean, our company alone had a 350% increase in calls from Texas about solar and backup battery power with solar. You know, I think people are starting to realize that, you know, some of the infrastructure that we've had for a hundred years is not going to be reliable going forward. So it's, yes, it's been a big boon to the business, but you know, it's not, um, to me, it's not capitalizing on a tragedy. It's, you know, the, the, the goal should be that this, you know, if 80% of people in Texas had solar and backup battery power, that situation would have been a lot better, you know, for everyone, um, you know, um, for their safety, for their health, for their warmth, all of that. And, uh, and that's true everywhere you go, no matter what part of the country, you're always open to disruption. Yeah, because this is one of those things where, you know, um, you know, you're locking the barn door after the horse has been stolen. Well, I'm buying another horse, right? right. Uh, and, and I know that's a cliche, but the reality is um, it was very, it was very weird. And I, I understood a little bit when, you know, we only get these kind of winter storms every 10 years. And so it is, you know, I understand them putting their money into infrastructure to with the Texas heat because summers are very hot here. But um, it was 
weird. I am nowhere near a hospital. I am nowhere near a fine station and I never lost power. Uh, my son's apartment complex is literally across the street from a fire station and he lost power you know but and they were trying to say oh we're you know the reason why is we're, we're trying to make and i just don't think they knew what the hell they were doing <laughs> it just it just no craziness um well the only unregulated grid in the country so well yeah and you know we there, there's a lot I love. I grew up in Louisiana or my dad was in the army. We moved around a lot, but you know, I've lived in Texas since 86 and there's a lot to be said uh, that I love about the state, but there is this, um, this some kind, this arrogance um, that I, I think is unwise. <laughs> you know, like there's an East coast grid, a West coast grid, and there's Texas because yeah. we don't want to be involved with that. You know, yeah. you understand this, Dave? We, we, we want those $17,000 bills to come after a problem. Yeah. yeah. You know, and this, this, um, cause we're Texas and we don't put beans in our chili and we put, we have our guns on the gun rack and our pickups and, you know, and it just seems sometimes like, we're just that we're just stupid but anyway well, I, I, I spent i spent two summers in alaska and you know when you're up there they talk about you people in the u.s and i'm like wait a minute let me count the stars on the flag again aren't we all in this together you know it's very different you know i bet that is i bet that's really interesting all right talk about growing up where did you grow up and what kind of music did your family listen to um, I grew up in uh, Lowell, Massachusetts, um, the uh, birthplace of Jack Kerouac and um, the birthplace of the Industrial Revolution in America. But it was, a, you know, like everything back in the 60s and 70s, a dying little mill town, um, not too far reminiscent from Springsteen's My Hometown. And then we moved to Chelmsford, which was a suburb nearby when I was nine and all that. But growing up... Um, Country music. Uh, my father dominated, you know, the record player. Uh, he was the man in the gray flannel suit, a banker. I don't think he's ever been on a horse, but he just loved, loved, loved everything country. I mean, old school, you know, so I grew up listening to Sons of the Pioneers, Eddie Arnold, Loretta Lynn, Charlie Pride, uh, you know, uh, on and on and on. And, um, you know, it, it that was, and I, and I didn't like it. You know, I found it like twangy and nasal impaired and I didn't understand it. And of course, you know, I didn't want to understand anything, you know, no teenager wants to understand anything as father does, <laughs> you know, um, you just want to rebel. And um, so that was pretty much the soundtrack. Uh, my mother really didn't, uh, she loved Engelberg Humperdinck. So if she ever played anything, that was, that was the only thing I, I got to listen to at home. And Tom Jones, I did like Tom Jones. Uh, we, similar background um my dad loved you know hank williams and Ro haggard mm. and uh you know absolutely eddie albert and glenn campbell yep. um you know the um as he became more popular absolutely my dad adored willie nelson yep. and uh you know and johnny cash and, johnny cash, and yeah. yeah and so there were uh I've told the story a couple of times. I remember being in Ohio with my cousins on my dad's side. And, um, you know, they were a typical, you know, teenage. And this was, must have been 68, maybe 67. 
and I could not name all four Beatles because that was not something that we listened to in my house. You know, I mean, in the nineties, I worked with a high school student who worked at a a photography studio and I asked her to name the four Beatles. And she said, this Paul McCarthy and that guy that got shot. And I almost started crying. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Amber alert. Something I said. Amber alert on my phone. So yes. Uh, make a note at nine twelve at twelve minutes. Edit out Amber Alert. Uh, um, I'm curious: is this a visual thing or just a conversation? Um, I will. Um, this will just be a conversation. Okay, because uh, I just like, I don't want to turn my head and or whatever. And, no, and, no, no. Yeah, uh, you did not turn on your your camera. Um, at the very bottom, you see there is a start video. Uh, at the zoom there says mute stop video oh yeah there it is yeah i didn't didn't do that okay yeah if you click that then you can see me and i can see you Ah, there we go dave hey Hey, there we go yes and no this is just uh audio so yeah that's good uh yeah so i i'm right there with you um and you know country music was all the station we listened to in the car yeah you know it was just what i grew up we didn't have country music stations in New England. Yes, uh, that was a, <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I know what you're saying. And and I'll try to make the story as quick as possible. No, no, no. There's we're good. Through, through a connection of a connection, I ended up at a photography seminar in Nashville, Tennessee. And the couple running it said, called me at my hotel and said, hey, you want to come out to dinner? And we're going to have dinner with uh, Connie Stevens, Connie, Connie Smith. I had no idea who Connie Smith was. And we're going to go backstage at the Grand Ole Opry. And I thought, oh, maybe that's a club called Backstage at the Grand Ole Opry. So I go and I'm now having dinner with some country star named Connie Smith. And then she takes us all backstage at the Grand Ole Opry. And there's more rhinestones than I've ever seen in my life. And I'm next to Porter Wagner and little Jimmy Pickens and people I didn't care about. It would be the equivalent of my dad bumping into like Steve Van Zant backstage or Clarence and not giving a hoot as to who these humans were and so i called my dad he didn't sleep that night it was it was he was so giddy so uh, my dad had cancer a few years later and they were going to nashville and i played the cancer card and i called these people i said you know my my dad has cancer and he loves country music oh have him get they took my dad and my uncle who's who, his only brother who sings country music and plays country music they took them both graciously backstage at the grand Ole opry they were singing with uh, this uh, in the dressing room with the sons of the San Joaquin. They met all these people. It's the reason I was born. It's the reason my father had me. I mean, like, I, I will never, like, you know, in my time on the planet, not, you know, I could cure cancer, whatever, this would still be bigger. So that's a lovely story. I, you know, I'm laughing. Um, <laughs> my wife was in, oh, was in uh, Cleveland for a conference several years ago and she said um yeah they're 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 filming some kind of film i think it's called the avengers and i think like somebody named is there a scarlett johansson in this film saw her she's so tiny i'm like what 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 have you seen josh whedon and this is before josh whedon the stories all about yeah. his, you know, back then it was okay to like Josh Whedon. Right, right, and, right. and, um, 
and so it was the same thing, you know, and so me and my buddies were like, oh, that's wasted on your wife. Like, she has never seen one. She saw the original Iron Man. She went with my birthday. That's the only Marvel Universe she'd seen. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, so funny. that's great. That's funny. I've been an extra in six movies, so I have been in the vicinity of greatness, but you're not allowed to touch or talk to greatness. So. Um, does that get you an IMDb? Uh, uh you, no, you could create, you could pay for your own IMDb and put mm. that up there. But I mean, I have in six films, eight and a half seconds of screen time, you know, in the background. Okay. So it, it's not worth it. Um, the reason I am asking is um, fast forward. Um, we're going to the movie theater for the debut of Western Stars. You know, it's going to yeah. be at the movie theater. And so it was me and my wife. Um, her sister and her sister's husband that, um, you know, we got married in the same summer. So, you know, Clayton and I have been brothers since 84. I mean, you know, we have been in each other's lives. And so the four of us go, we go to Western stars and we're enjoying it. And Linda reaches over and whispers, are you jealous of the people in the barn? you know, watching I'm like, Oh, I'm so jealous to do oh, that. Absolutely. You know? absolutely. And then at the end, um, they list their names in the credits yeah. and I'm like, Oh my goodness. You not only got to go to the show, but you actually got a credit on the, you know, forever you're listed. I am so jealous. I am so jealous. And I, I know oh. it was ended up being like cousins and friends of Bruce and Patty's. So, but it still was like, oh, wow. I would love to have been there that night. Oh, that, that was just lush. Like, that was like a, a night you didn't, would, would not, musically, I think you would never want to end. That was just yeah. You know, it's intimate is the word. Yeah. You know, the thing people have asked about and before Broadway, I had always said that I would love to have heard the the private concert he did for the White House staff at the end of a you know President Obama's term, but then we've now heard that that is he turned it into the Broadway show. But at the time, I thought the I, wow that would be so cool to hear him do that. So Dave, um, you've grown up with Eddie Arnold, and you know uh, I assume Jim Reeves and all these other people mm-hmm. for the good times. Yeah. Um, Patsy Cline. Yes. When did you discover rock and roll? Um, <clears throat> that's a good question. I was never, I, I'll be honest, I was never like, uh, you have talked to my friend Jim Laughlin, who has like 9 million records, was a DJ, just is he's, he's a musical, just, you know, guru. Um, and I was just more like, oh, what's on the radio? Oh, the Carpenters, you know, whatever. Like, you know, I never like, really was seeking out my own music. Um, I had a brother two years older than me. So there were some things that he was listening to that, you know, at, like when I was 12 frightened me, like, what is this Led Zeppelin thing? This doesn't sound right. Um, but yet I was like starting to connect with things like um, uh, Cream and Vanilla Fudge, uh, the zombies. Um, you know, of course, everyone loved the Beatles. That was just, you know, uh, Rolling Stones and, 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 you know, Jimi Hendrix, you know, he, my brother, you know, like, kind of influenced me um iron butterfly the entire 18 minute got in the gata de vita in the gata de vita um just blew my mind so those were things that kind of were influences but i wasn't really like music you know um also this was the 70s and the biggest driving force in music was the 50s 
Uh, you had Happy Days and Let the Good Times Roll and uh, uh, American Graffiti. And so I was really, no, 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 was big. No, no, I, I have the KTEL album still, I think. Yeah. Um, Golden Age of Rock and Roll. And so my, all of the music I was really loving, you know, growing up in high school and stuff was from 20 years earlier. Because um, that was like such a big influence. And um, but the first concert I ever went to in ninth grade um, at the Garden, uh, Three Dog Night, and uh, Boston Garden. And like, I never experienced anything like that in my life. Like, you know, the, the, the whole place went dark. Everyone lit lighters because no one had iPhones then. And, and then like the stage was still dark and all you heard was, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Boom. And the lights went on and it, I, I it, like, it was the greatest like crowd experience I've ever had. Um, Mine was Fog Hat and ZZ Top. Oh, that's a good combo. There, there may have been the scent of strange cigarettes in the air, you know, because this is like in 75. Well, that can't be possible because those weren't legal then. Yes, exactly. Um, The uh, and uh, it was yeah. I like I graduated high school in '77, so I'm right in your era where you know the AM radio was just. I had the little AM clock radio next to my bed. You turn that on if you you know if you're in your room, uh, and that's just whatever they played is what you played. You know whatever you heard. Yeah, I wasn't seeking out music. I did have a friend, um, I, uh, you know, like around that time and, and beyond, still a friend, Ken, who would come from this club called The Paradise and go, I just saw this band called Blondie. You're going to have to check them out. I'm like, what's a Blondie? I just saw this guy named Meatloaf. You are going to have to see this. I'm like, no, I'm not going to go see anybody named Meatloaf. Like, That's going nowhere. I saw this band called U2. Like he was seeing everybody at this yeah. pretty little club. I'm sorry. And no, no. that, you know, before anybody like, you know, mm-hmm. that I, in my world knew. Uh, oh, that's but He was a good influence too. too. Yeah. Elvis Costello. What's an Elvis Costello? Yeah. What, um, when did you discover Bruce? Well, it's funny. I think, um, I, I think God tried to put me in, in that path long before I actually was paying attention. Um, the, my, the first recollection of Bruce, honestly, is, um, must have been 75 because I step out of Friendly's Ice Cream in Chelmsford, uh, senior in high school, and um, Billy Martin's standing there and he goes, check this out. And he shows me Time Magazine. He goes, Bruce Springsteen's in the cover of Time Magazine. And I'm in my head going, what exactly is a Bruce Springsteen and why should I care? Um, and so we're like, okay, great, good for you. I'm glad you're happy, Bill. Walked away. And then further on, I'm um, I'm living out in California. I have a friend who's going to University of California, Davis. I go spend a weekend in the dorms with him. And um, his friend's playing this uh, Born to Run album. And kind of in the background, I'm like, who is that? That's that's pretty good, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, again, not paying attention. And then uh, come back from the Army. And um, uh, my friend Jimmy, I'm living in, I'm going to Rhode Island School of Photography at the time, now defunct, not Rhode Island School of Design, that's a real school. And um, my friend Jimmy Laughlin says, hey, you know, you're living in Providence, um, you know, Springsteen's playing at the Civic Center and, uh, you know, 
I got a ticket for you. Can we crash at your place? And I'm like, how much is the ticket? And he's like, $15. I'm like, oh, geez, $15. But I thought, you know, it's a chance to see my friend Jim. And like, okay, you know, come on down. Bruce Springsteen, born to run, can't understand half the words he says anyway. So, yeah, I'll go. Um, Just to see him. This is Jimmy. Yeah. And um, so he shows up with five guys. We go to Springsteen. And I, you know, when you see people talk about their first Billy Graham revival meeting and how they found Jesus and were touched by the Lord and, you know, all that stuff that I've never had on a religious level like that. Um, I got it. I, I, I think the only song I really knew any words to were for you at the time. And I, I saw someone play from the floor to the top of the highest speaker, just B to the W all out, you know, uh, I am here for you. You matter. Um, he knew Dave Decker had never been to a show and he wanted to make sure I personally had a good experience. I mean, that's what it felt like. It was, it was touched by an angel and, and I was, you know, it was bye-bye Carpenters and Donnie Marie and we were airborne. <laughs> so. uh, um, <clears throat> I often say that I think there's two kinds of people the people that go to their first Bruce show and go, wow, that was long. And then the <laughs> ones that say, oh my goodness, this is, you know, I now want to see him live anytime I can. How do I get more of this? And um, technically for every other artist, I judge all live performance by Bruce. And it's kind of not fair, but, yes. you know, but I, if you take away all Springsteen shows, I have maybe five great musical experiences like that. Yeah, I, I remember um, I had I had we went and saw uh, James Taylor mm. and uh, great. I mean, it was a good show, but, you know, uh, you know, 90 minutes he's over and I'm looking over at Linda. I'm like, I'm not saying he's mailing it in, but, you know, I'm saying he's mailing it in. Yeah. Um, I waited too long to see Aerosmith. Same thing at a casino. We were down. I'm going to finally see Aerosmith. And it was like, walk this way. One million dollars. Janie's got a gun. Two million dollars. Can we go now? You know, and yeah. I just, oh, God, I hate you. Yeah, uh, we um, and the and you it is hard not to um, like I have gone to like one of my top concert memories was during the late 80s, early 90s, when Linda Ronstadt had just, oh, yeah. uh, and Aaron Neville, you know, yeah. had had that album where they had some duets together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so the Neville brothers opened, and then Linda came out and sang all her hits, and then had Aaron Neville come with her. And that was, what a great experience, right? Because I had never seen the Neville brothers before, and, you know, and they were a lot of fun. Yeah, and to hear them together, and her voice was just amazing. Yeah. Um, but yes, you are, um, you, you, <clears throat> and, um, and you start to appreciate more, like a few years ago, uh, John Hyatt was at House of Blues acoustically. And <clears throat> you knew he kind of had a rough set that he was thinking about doing, but it was just him and his guitar. And if he's like, ah, let me try something different. And, you know, that was a great experience yeah. because it felt spontaneous. Even if right. it wasn't four hours, you know, it, I think that's one of the things that, 
um, my son and I, um, speaking of country, Brad Paisley, you know, my son and I are both big Brad Paisley fans. And we go, it's the same show almost year after year. He just throws in a couple of new songs. And it's yep. just, um, in fact, my wife went one year and then the next year and she's like, it was the exact same show. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, if my wife notices, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. not, it's not good. No, no, you're you're absolutely right, and I, I know people are like, oh, I saw Sting three nights in a row, and it was the exact same show. I'm like, or Police or whatever, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, and you know, I'm preaching at the choir that there's yeah. never been a DNA match on any Springsteen show ever. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the closest was when he was doing the River Tour, yeah, you know, in 2016, but even then, then the second half after he did the Full River, um, you know, he he mixed it up and did different songs, yeah. um do you've kind of explained a little bit but i'm going to give you another chance to expand on can you put into words why he captivated you why that music you know you became Um, a fan and you know and i i don't want to put words in your mouth but you've become passionate slash obsessed with his music (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, I have to like, you know, when people say, you know, like start talking about Springsteen, I have to realize, okay, you know, like, they really probably don't care about everything you want to tell them, you know, um, like, you know, um, so I, I guess part of it maybe is a little mystical in the fact that like, I never understood my father's connection to country music, I didn't get it, I, you know, and I'm not putting country music down, I just, you know, it, it didn't resonate me with me, uh, you know, more now when I listen back, I go, yeah, I get that. You know, obviously Hank Williams and the, ins- the influences on Bruce, et cetera. Um, but I never understood it and he never felt the need to explain it. And I'm, I'm kind of in that, not that I'm not going to answer your question, but like, you know, people go, oh, I hate Bruce. I now think, great, one more chance for me to get a seat. You know, yes. like, you know, I, I don't need to bring you to church, you know, because the pew is full. I mean, you know, the church is full. I want to make sure I get a seat, a good seat. Um, but it, it has been, it, it sounds cliche to say a soundtrack of my life, but but his music, his characters, his story, um, the stories he's telling, it's it's John Steinbeck in scale, my favorite author, um, probably from living out in Salinas area in California, Monterey Bay, became my favorite author. And it's, it's a John Ford Western. It's, it has, everything is like, you know, you're not singing about the girl, you're singing about something bigger, you know, like the rising was, was about so much bigger than just the moment. Um, And and he was able to pull people like, you know, my dad wasn't a Springsteen fan, but he really loved the line in Youngstown about how our guns, you know, the big guns yeah. not getting right, couldn't do what Hitler's boys couldn't do. Having been yeah. in World War II in the Battle of Bucks, he loved that. Um, after my father passed, not long after the rising, you know, I played that album for my mother and, you know, missing, you know, mm-hmm. was what she was experiencing. Sure. My dad's coffee cup, his shirt, his chair, mm-hmm. all that yes. there big hole in the sky and so she actually got that album or we got it for her i can't remember but so he has always seemed to be in the right place in the right time emotionally for me as i grow as he's grown um he's now singing songs looking back in thank you for you know love and and friendship and 
you know, what's coming forward and where I am and being at peace. And I'm 63 and, and that's, you know, I'd like to think I have 40 good years left, but, you know, um, so his arc of his story and his characters have been moving with me. You know, I'm not seeing, it's, it's awkward now to go, you know, to saying, she's 16, she's beautiful and she might like that doesn't, you know, yeah. if that resonates with you at 63, you need to have a bracelet on your ankle. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Uh, but but his characters have grown even mm-hmm. in, even when he reinvents and he goes back and sings born to run as a 70 year old man you can feel it's different um yes. it's like if you've ever heard judy garland live at carnegie hall when she sings over the rainbow it's 60 years of heartbreak and pain yes and, and as opposed to a naive young little girl singing a beautiful song of hope yeah and like one of the things that I was, I didn't, I, um, Independence Day didn't connect to me. Just, it was a fine song, but nothing. Yeah. And then when I saw him do it live and I realized at this point, you know, he's in his late sixties and that he was probably older than his father was when he wrote this. And he yeah. is now singing this song from the perspective of the father he's had that experience now where he was trying to talk to his children and no matter how close you are to your children, there is that at times a barrier, you know, at least through parts of their lives. Um, My son is 31 and um, you know, he, he lives in Dallas with us and he has his own apartment and, you know, he, he called me up Friday and he says, Hey, um, he was supposed to come over last night and just hang together because he hadn't seen us. And he says, Hey, can I extend my Airbnb reservation? I come up on Friday and I spend the weekend with you guys. I'm like, sure. And, uh, you know, and just, he's like, you know, I just, I hadn't seen you guys. I need to get out of the house. And, and so that's a beautiful moment, but there were times when he was 15 or 16, we just couldn't talk to each other. It it is, you know, yeah. your parents don't know crap and you yeah you, you are a fully formed adult and know everything and then you don't need them yeah and as he used to say he still says young and dumb i was young and dumb dad and uh and so yeah i absolutely agree and you know you mentioned um his his works and you know steinbeck like i feel like western stars is almost a collection of Elmore Leonard short stories. Yeah. Like, you know, from, uh, you know, the, um, uh, you know, the, the guy who wrote the books that justified are based on and everything, you know, they're just, it has that feel yeah. and it's, it's, it's amazing. You mentioned seeing him live the first time. And that was your, you know, your, your road to Damascus, <laughs> right. You know, like, ah, yeah. um, I always like to preface this question, Dave, that, the amount of times you've seen him is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. Um, A lot of it is your age, your economic situation, your geographic location. You know, if you grew up in Jersey or Philly or New York, you know, and you were of concert going age in seventies, there's a good chance you've seen him, you know, um, triple digits just because you could, but do you count and how many times you've seen him? Um, you know, I need to go back and count. I'm going to say hovering in the 50 range. Okay. Um, you know, um, I'm a uh, Leighton Springsteen lover because yes. you know, I, I jumped on the river tour. 
my brother has a friend. Oh yeah, Springsteen. I saw him at the, in 72 in a co- I was going to college in Rhode Island. There were like 300 people there. I'm like, <laughs> what? You know, yeah. How is that possible? Um, you know, but yeah, you know, the people that were at the bottom line or, you know, all of these, yeah. you know, um, um, you know, so, um, yeah, so I, I'm somewhere around 50 and, and, and I've been saying 40 and my wife tells me like, it's more than that. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to say 50 now, but. Um, so, so if you want to, um, and I recommend it, it to go down a rabbit hole, um, there's a website called mybosstime.com. And if you go, you create a free account and then he has every tour and every show on every tour. And so if you go, oh yeah, I was there, I was there. And then behind the scenes, it does all the calculation for you and it will tell you, oh, you've seen Born to Run X amount of times. This is the song you've seen the least. You know, here are, you know, these are the, tour debuts you've seen you know these are and then there's rarities and like i was there in pittsburgh um and where he did a rebel rebel right after uh bowie had died so that's on my list of rarities because he's not played that very often so yeah um any memorable they're all memorable but any stories from the road or concerts you want to share stories to tell um, one was um this was the devils and dust tour you know okay. which was a smaller um not quite tom joe bleak um, yeah. tour. um and i was trying to get tickets trying to get tickets and suddenly i look and this is Ticketmaster time and um, it says front row one and i i my arms went numb yeah, and I said to my wife, listen, like, oh my God, this, what does that say? Front row. She said, get out of my way. Boom. And I had a better seat than John Kerry. Um, oh, nice. Because that was cool. Um, I think Jimmy often told you about the time we met him and, and stalked him at the Four Seasons Hotel. I don't even remember. I do not know. So please share. Okay. So again, pre-internet, this is um, the non Street Band Tour, the other Springsteen Band Tour yeah. um, in 90 two-ish somewhere around there and um, we said you know we got to try to meet Bruce and people always think you know who don't know Bruce think I wanted to meet Bruce because I want to touch him and you know have his baby and you know I it was just a matter of I wanted to at one point in my life say thank you like and I know he gets this all the time right you know it's like I met Bobby Orr and I said thank you for all of the wonderful memories you've brought to Boston hockey. And he graciously looked at me like I'm the first person that said it to him. And, you know, like, and he hears it five times a day, just five yeah. groceries, you know. Um, and so I want to just say thank you. That's all, but the music meant a lot and it was important and, and it's added something of value to my life. Um, so uh, the radio, local radio station said, well, you know, we can't tell you what Springsteen's saying, but we can give you a clue. He's at the Frankie Valley Motel. And we're like, I'm sitting there going, Frankie Valley Motel, Frankie Valley Motel. Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. He's staying at the Four Seasons. He's at okay. the Four Seasons of Boston. Boom. So I called Jim, boom. We go down, uh, dress relatively nice because it's a swanky hotel. And we walk into the lobby and we get in the elevator and the door shuts and Jimmy will up and turns to me and goes, what do we do, do now? I go, I have no idea. <laughs> this, this was the plan. We're yes. now inside a darkened elevator and I don't know. What, so we hit every floor, every button and wandered around the halls thinking he's going to come out in his pajamas or something. And, you know, uh, look, and uh, nothing. So we, oh, he likes to work out. We went to the gym 
And um, one of the girls was Crystal. There were two singers, a couple backup singers that he had on that tour. And uh, we said hi to them, got their autographs and, and uh, you know, like, you know, we're just hoping to meet Bruce, you know, we're not crazy, you know. And like, all I know, she said, all I know is that we're supposed to be at the van at four o'clock outside in front of the hotel. That's all I can tell you. So we're like, yes. So, so we go down and we said, oh, if we act like we belong here, we're fine. So we go down, we're hanging out in the lobby, you know, reading the paper and stuff. And Peter Wolf comes in, you know, pulls up right in front of his Saab convertible and jumps in the elevator and think, oh, if I was in that elevator, I would know what floor. <laughs> like, yeah. um, but uh, so then it, it had been a while. Jimmy Lopin now has to go move the car because the meter's expired. And some very well-dressed gentleman comes over and, sir, uh, you've been sitting here for a while. May I help you? And so I started lying. I'm like, oh, I'm here to see my friend, uh, Rich Garaldi. He's up at the next floor at the function upstairs. And uh, Rich Garaldi is the name I pulled out of high school. I just, and he goes, oh, why don't we go find your friend? I'm like, oh, damn it. So I'm walk, we're walking up these stairs. And I'm like, I got to come clean because otherwise, you know, they're going to make an yeah. announcement. And, uh, and I said, well, I'm really not looking for Rich Garaldi. I was just hoping to meet some friends. And, you know, he goes, oh, we're playing games, are we? He goes, well, you can do those on the streets. Let me escort you. And I was like, you know, very nicely. It wasn't like, yeah. it was just like very classy, like, you know, get your ass on the curb. And sure. uh, so Jimmy Lapa comes back. I'm standing outside. He's like, what are you doing outside? I'm like, we can't go back in. <laughs> He's like, what? We got busted. We got, we, we got busted. And then, so sure enough, a uh, couple gray vans, you know, um, passenger vans up there with no markings on them and all. And, and some of the band members come. It wasn't the full E Street band, which I had met several of those people um, on the Born to Run tour, Clarence and Max and um, a few others. And, um, and so... The, 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 the crystal comes out and she walks by us. She recognizes it. She goes, here he comes, here he comes, here he comes. I'm like under her breath. And she gets in her van. And then that band pulls off with the band and Bruce and Patty come out and they get in like the sliding door. And my friend Jimmy Laughlin like steps up and I go to step up and this like arm came down. This like man, the size of a tree, five times yeah. bigger than cards. And like, I was like, oh. I look up, he goes, get to meet him relax you know i'm like okay okay like you know and so jimmy Lawson got an autograph and th thank god he was there I mean, a you know because uh, i love sharing this experience with him b he's the only one that brought photographs to autograph i didn't even think of that and and so i go in and you know i said hi you know bruce you know i just wanted to say thank you your music means a lot and he's like oh yeah you know i appreciate that very much you know like he like he had yeah. never heard that before and uh he said who's it to and i i i i Oh my God, Bruce Springsteen's asking me a question. And I almost grabbed my wallet to find out who I was because like, I couldn't yeah. remember my name. You know? And I'm like, Dave, today, oh, let's go, Dave. Hey, you know, hey, thanks for coming. You know, and, and I'm glad you joined the show, whatever, you know. And and very nice, very gracious. And they went off, and Jimmy Lawson would just standing there, like, you know, um, like Scarlett Johansson had just asked us to go on yes. a blind date or something, like, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we just, Drove home in silence. I don't think like we didn't know what to say. <laughs> so that was my big experience. Did and the you, other one? Yes. Okay. No, the I was going to ask. Did you go to a book signing? Uh, no, I, I never made it to a book signing. I forget why. Uh, maybe because I had the autograph. Okay. You know? um, and and although I, I looked at it recently, it's right up there. And boy, that autograph is getting pretty faded over the years. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to try to meet him again. Um, 
Jamil actually did the pilgrimage to Asbury Park when he was living down there with, uh, wasn't Patty, it was, uh, was the first wife, um, Julianne? Yeah, Julianne Phillips, yeah. yeah. And, and we actually found his house mm-hmm. and I walked up to the door and knocked on the door with, with in my head saying, it was okay for him to jump the fence of Graceland. It's going to be okay for me to knock on his door. That was you know, your argument. You're going to go, hey. That was my argument. Yeah. That was my argument for the police, for his security people as they tasered yeah. me, you know, for yeah. whatever. Um, and nobody answered the door. And uh, so, Yeah, that's that's hilarious. All right, so I interrupt you. What's your second story? You're oh, the second me. story real quick is... Um, uh, this was Tunnel of Love Tour. It opened in Worcester. Again, you know, pre-internet and all that days. And, you know, I ended up on the streets in February, like walking, you know, for hours, you know, tickets, tickets, what do you got, tickets, you know. Um, and back when everybody had hard copies of tickets and and nothing. And, and God, that I remember that first, because everybody went, you know, Madonna was at the show. And, you know, it was like the first, you know, uh, it was the first night of the, 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 the tour. And when I could hear from the outside, the first opening chords of Tunnel of Love, I started crying, like I'm out here and freezing my ass off. So ended up having a long conversation with one of the security guys on one of the side doors. And like, you know, come on, Jeff, I just stand on the side, you know, whatever, yeah. you know. And Slip me in, Joe, I'll make it up to you sometime. Yeah, yeah, I you mean, know, you are literally- like, yes. I'm the only one, you know, trying to work this deal. Yes, you know? Yeah, exactly. Said, you know what, he goes, I think I can get one of his harmonicas. And like, oh my God, you're kidding, I'll pay you for it, you know. So he comes out, he gives me a harmonica that he says is his harmonica. And yeah. I give him 20 bucks. Now, please don't tell me what you're gonna tell me that he probably had a box of 40 of them. I'm was, not, yes. Yeah. Um, but I now to this day believe I have Bruce's DNA, you know, I have this harmonica and yes. there's no probably not true, but I'm gonna yeah, hang on. That's yeah, I I I yes. I, um, I want to believe that uh, about that person too, that they would not be that cynical. Uh, but yes, I, I get that. That's, that's pretty funny. Did you go to Broadway? I did not. We tried and, you know, all the contests and all the, you yeah. know, I, I never went to stand out and see if I could get Will Call and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Life, you know. And, um, you know, and besides, what was it, you know? thousand dollars a ticket or what you know i mean yeah. it was like ugh. but uh, you know watching it you know makes you think yeah that's a moment i really you know uh, would have sold the kidney for um, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i was lucky enough to go um i was not planning to go i knew i couldn't afford it and i knew that um there was no way i could get it anyway right, right. and so um at the time there was a brouhaha because there always is on Facebook about um, people having the gall to go to more than one show. There's so many of us wanting to go to Broadway. How dare you go to multiple shows? And I made the argument that I still stand is valid is there are only so many lottery tickets available every show, but the same person complaining will try to get in the lottery and get elbows on the stage every time they can. 
Right. Well, it's different. No, it, you know, you, you're, it's an experience. that's very unique being, you know, Hey, your stomach hitting the stage, you know, but, and you will do that every time and you don't care if no one else has that experience. Right. So a billion people on the planet and you, yeah. that you can take up all those spots. Here. Yeah. So why are you judging someone who's lucky enough to get more than one chance to go to Broadway? Fair enough. And, um, so someone, you know, DM'd me on Facebook Messenger and said, hey, you mentioned you're not going. Why aren't you going? And I'm like, well, one, I don't think I can, one, I know I can't get a ticket. Two, I don't think I can afford it. And he says, no, I, yeah, I can get you a ticket. He says, I've gotten plenty of people tickets. Um, you know, I know you do the podcast. I can get you a ticket. How much are you willing to spend? Like, I don't know. So he says, well, um, and so he mentions a couple of dates and it wasn't the top price, but it was the middle price. So I want to say right at $700 or something, you know, so then I got to go to my wife, you know, (laughs) and go, Hey, Linda, how are you doing? I'm fine. (laughs) You know, okay. I need to talk. And I, and I said, you know, you know how sometimes we have a discussion and we're really not asking permission, but we're just kind of telling the other one what we're going to do and we want them to be okay with it. I said, in this case, I really am asking your permission. I don't want you to think you have to say yes. She goes, well, what the, what the fuck are you talking about? I just told you not to cuss and here I am. Uh, and so... I tell her what's going on and she's like, Oh, wow. I don't know how I can tell you. No, like, no, you can, you know, she goes, well, let's talk about it. And so we did, we, we debated on it. We, we, we figured out, um, she was very concerned that I had someplace to sleep. She didn't want me flying into New York, you know, and wandering around an airport all night, you know, trying to be. So we end up finding a uh, a package deal where it was a direct flight to on American, and you got one of those little bitty pod hotels where you know you basically yeah. had you know a cruise ship room. Right, the bed and, and the toilet are the same thing. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and uh, and so we went, and. Um, and I forever grateful for her because I just she's like, this is a once a lifetime experience. Yeah. I want you to go and, and have fun. And so, yes, I, I was very blessed that awesome. she let me, you know, go. And what um, I was her in your head was, you know, if we stayed another night. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. And it was great. You know, I, I flew in and what was really nice too is uh, Bella Pori, who's been on the podcast multiple times, lives in New York and she, she took the train in from her borough and met me for dinner. And so I got to have dinner with Bella, you know, and we got to catch up and talk. We had never met in person, you know, and then uh, took pictures and then went to the show and flew home and it was just something amazing. So, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. I was looking at your shirt and I I want to to feel old. My shirt, for those of you is green and it says gut Bruce with the question mark, you know, a a, playing with the gut milk commercial. Yeah. I'm walking into a grocery store, some 16, 17 year old kid goes, hey, great shirt. And I'm thinking, wow, like the kid this young got it. 
I said, you really like it? He goes, yeah. Um, got Bruce, Bruce Banner, right? Green, the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, you yeah, got yeah, it. You got it. it. That's it. You got it. Wait, now I hate myself. <laughs> no, that's funny. Um, what are what were your thoughts about? You know, we mentioned a little bit, but um, Western stars and letter to you, and I guess specifically, you know, kind of talk about both. But what were your thoughts on these um, latest releases? I'll be honest that like I, I, on, on letter to you, I like to really truly immerse myself in an album and I haven't taken the time to do that one yet. Um, and I, I, you know, it's kind of like, I have it up on my mantle to remind me like, Oh, I need to like take the time, you know, go through the lyrics, you know, absorb it. And I, and I just, I, I so I truly haven't done that. The, what I have heard, I really like, and I want to embrace that album more and more. So so I'm a little embarrassed on that one. Letter to you. I mean, um, Western Stars. I I really liked that. I thought the movie was just lush and well filmed, and um, you know, I you know, Bruce doesn't seem out of place to me as a Jersey boy because you know, as he talks about in you know, driving through the desert, you know, with with Tinker, you know, just had that moment in the desert where that that landscape resonated with him and he's always now you know he's brought it into his songs and you know um especially tom jode and you know those type of things so him in that environment you know he's on a ranch you know uh he lives in a ranch in new jersey um so i felt comfortable seeing him in that environment and i loved that album i loved the um there's a lushness to it i guess or something there's a richness uh, I, I, I um it's it, it's still it's still part of the same story you know uh i i imagine it would be of interesting if your dad was still here to have him listen to it with you yes oh especially with the word western in it he would yes just, he would well and, right on it. You know, as I talked about, my parents loved Glenn Campbell and so yeah. the Jimmy Webb experience. And to hear that version of him, I, I think your father would have like, wow, this is kind of cool. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. He he dabbled a little bit there, you know, with uh, like Youngstown, you know, he liked that. <laughs> and I think he I played him some of Nebraska because that was very Hank Williams. Yes, it is. Know. Um, yes. And I don't know. I mean, he didn't like, oh, yeah, I love this stuff. You know, um, yeah. It wasn't country, you know, it wasn't pure country. No, exactly. He, yes. He would have not liked Shania Twain and, you know, and yeah. Paisley probably because, yeah, you know, he was strictly, there was a no. cutoff point in his mind where country began. Mm. And, then, you know, and um, so, yeah, but I think he would have uh, truly, uh, you know what? I never thought of that. That's really good. Yeah. Did, uh, have you watched Ken Burns? country music documentary i saw uh, a couple episodes it's on my list of the things to get back to but that was really good yeah, yeah. it was really well done and i think it's in i think it will i know that my wife and i loved it and i felt like i was getting a love letter to my parents you yeah. know that yeah. so that was part of it and just amazing partly because as as burns talks about it in the making of he said you know we always have historians and we have celebrities doing interviews and this one we didn't need to use historians as much because the musicians knew all the stories 
And so they could tell the same story that the historian was and the added bonus of, um, you know, they pick up a guitar and start strumming as they're telling the story, you know? Uh, So it is, yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm Um, glad you reminded me. I think in all of the pandemic and everything, it was like one of those things I never got back to, but I just wrote it down. Uh, My uncle, my, my, my father's brother who just passed away a couple of years ago now, um, he he played country music all over the area. Yes, and, uh-huh. and uh, he also was at that Nashville backstage thing when when my yes. dad. Was there. But um, at my dad's funeral, um, you know, at the final thing at the gravesite, yeah. he picked up his guitar and played uh, Hank Snow's "One More Ride," and, and oh. I cry when I hear that. You know? Oh, I imagine Every February twenty third. I play it. Yes. Know? Um, so yeah. Yeah. Just, my dad um, died on the 10th anniversary of 9-11. Um, yeah. Just, uh, and so I joke, and pretty serious, I listened to Johnny Cash and The Rising on every 9-11, you know, in memory of my father, memory of all those we lost on 9-11. So that's kind of the twofer that we go. Uh, yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Um, all right. Hopefully he's going to tour again. Yeah. Uh, we we want to we need live music in our lives again. Um, I'm this going to, pathetic, but I can't imagine a world without Bruce. No, I it, mean you know maybe the way my parents couldn't imagine a world without Glenn Miller or you yeah, know whatever it was right. you know, like Bing Crosby or what Frank. Yeah. But but because he's telling this story and the story is continuing, I I I don't want it to stop. You know. Yeah, exactly. And you're sitting there going. Um, this is and and you realize you know can they keep doing four hour shows will they get down to three hour shows will they get to two and a half hour shows um you know they seem to um there seems to be a magic of them on stage that Mm -hmm. somehow they get energy from each other and from the audience and they go and perform and they seem to be having a blast uh, so when they tour, um, so okay. it goes without saying, you would love to hear anything for Western Stars and Letter to You. So that that's easy. Are there other songs, Dave, that you have chased that you've not heard him perform live that you would love to hear? There is one that I just love. I think you cannot not feel happy when you hear it, and I've always wanted to hear it played, and. And I don't think it will now, especially because it's Paradise by the Sea. Okay. And and yeah, that is just a joyful, one of the most joyful sounds. It's up there with uh, the Seeger sessions of just happy music. Yes, absolutely. Overall, and um, and I've always wanted to just see Clarence standing there, just wailing that song, and the whole band just being into that love fest for him. And and I waited and waited and waited, and you know. Yeah. That's but, that's I mean maybe they would do it with Jake. You know, but yeah, as kind of a tribute. Like yeah. if it was close to his birthday or something that they yeah, may yeah. do that. that yeah, that's okay. one that's one I, that's the only one I can think of that like Okay. Where you know that's just fun. Yeah. Um how did you get into and this is a vague question, but you talked about your day job, but you also, you know, you've you've gotten into stand up. What yeah. what got you into that and you know um what 
is that just is that a creative part of you that you you kind of feed that part of your uh soul yeah it's therapy you get paid for basically um um when my friend Bill Colbert and I were in high school, we said, you know, one day we're going to do stand up, you know, George Carlin and all that was the rate. And 40 years later, I finally got the cojones to give it a try. And um, uh, uh, my wife encouraged me like, yeah, you should give this a shot. And uh, and I, 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 I guess I'm, I've never been on drugs, but it's must it's like heroin. You just, yeah. can't get off it. Um, you know, you chase that next high that, you know. Um, it's soul crushing. It's the loneliest place you'll ever be when it's not working. And it's the greatest place you'll ever be when it does work. And, um, like, you know, when, when I see now I'm, I, I am not headlining, you know, I do this part-time, so I'm opening, I'm hosting, I'm in the guy in the middle. Um, I'm the guy, people at the water cooler say, yeah, we saw Steve Sweeney and there were a couple other guys there. I'm one of those other guys, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, it's yeah it's it's a creative outlet i i've always enjoyed making people laugh you know that all psychologically starts with making your mother laugh and sure absolutely every comic will tell you that and um and just it's it's um yeah when it's working it's magic you know and i i can't it's the closest on such a small scale like when you see Bruce step out, like, you know, even in the, like, sure. um, um, like I love the, the uh, 75, 85 set where it starts with, ladies and gentlemen, Bruce Vickian, you hear like, and yeah. then it goes to Born to Run, one, two, and you hear like 80,000 people just, and that feeling of, of being able to like point at 80,000 people and be in control and command, I can't imagine what that feels like inside at that right um, on a comedy level when you look around and people are laughing and they are having good time unfortunately as a comic you will only notice the one person with their arms crossed who doesn't get it right and that's the image you take home like what's wrong with me why yes why yes. couldn't i reach that person you yes know? um but but i love it um it's it's uh it, it's a thrill it's a tightrope it's uh it's dangerous you know um do you do you do any music themed uh, bits? Uh, I do not. Well, actually, I used to. <laughs> I used to do this horrible impression of Bono. That okay. Was, uh, <laughs> it was like Bono was a stand-up comic, and it, it's mm-hmm. so stupid. Like it, people would laugh some of the time, but it made me laugh every single time. <laughs> yeah. And, and I would go into the whole Bono stance, you know, with the arms back and the, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, I'd preface it. This is what you know. Imagine Bono was a stand-up comic. He was like. Um, you know, um, what was the joke? Um, how many children from Rwanda does it take to change the light bulb? You know, whatever. And then be like, the children of Rwanda cannot change light bulbs because the rebel militia have hacked off the hands with machetes while the world stands by and do nothing. Am I bugging you? You know, whatever. And it just, yeah, it, yeah, oh, that's so great. And then somebody told me, you're really doing uh, like a Ringo Liverpool accent. You're really like, oh, yeah, <laughs> probably am. You know? Right. Thank you on behalf of the band. You know, um, mm-hmm. That's you know. great. That's uh, awesome. Anyway, it, it, I, I haven't done that in a long time, but that's as close to musical as I okay. thought. Yeah. Because I've had a couple of people. Um, there is a Daniel Johnson from UK uh, did a series of um, couple that were um, the obnoxious Springsteen fans. 
really? You know, yeah. And I, I will send you the link. It is, oh, awesome. uh, yeah, they really were very funny. Um, and um, how they're, they're a couple, but they're, there's this unhealthy competition about who knows Bruce the most and things. It, it was pretty funny. It's good. Yeah, I, uh, to, me, to me, you know, like I like I said, I almost don't try to explain it anymore. You yeah, know, the way that my dad tried to stop trying to explain country music to people in New England. Yeah, um, it, it's it resonates with me. It's 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 passionate. It, it touches me, and it may not touch you, and that's okay. You know, yeah. if if you know uh, whatever, you know, um, Billy Joel touches you more, or David Bowie, or that's great, but. Yeah, you know, but unfortunately, people like you know, you see those people at the shows. You know, they wear the bandanas and the you know, and okay, Bruce doesn't do that anymore. He just looks like yeah. a, you know, uh, yeah, this isn't an oldie show. You know, you're not dressing up in tie dye and going to see the dead. You know? Yeah, so I always like to tell this story because I thought it was so true. Um, I had a guest that um, we connected via LinkedIn of all places. You know, LinkedIn business, Facebook, and basically it's where everyone reaches out to you to try to sell you something. You know, oh, you run a call center? I have a staffing agency. Oh, you yep. have a call center? I have a CRM. And yeah, so this- People want to be my friend who have solar leads available. From yes, me. exactly, yes. And so he had reached out and um, said, oh, tell me more about the Springsteen podcast. And I told him, he said, I love Bruce Springsteen. I will check it out. And I said, well, do you want to join me? And he did. And it was a great discussion. But, um, and, and I'd like your thoughts on this. He said, um, he was sitting, he was standing on the floor during one of the reunion shows, listening to the E Street Band back together after the other band, after this, you know, almost 10 years. Yep. And he says, I thought to myself, this is it. You know, this is the ultimate thing as a Springsteen fan. We have come full circle. The band is back together. This we will this will never get better than this. He said, maybe every few years they'll get together and they'll tour. But this is the height of me as a Springsteen fan. He says, and I wonder going back if I could have told me back then you've got the rising coming you've got the seeger sessions coming you've got magic you have an autobiography you have broadway you have western stars and oh my goodness at 70 he's doing letter to you which is you know a, in front of the lincoln memorial yeah of- i mean you know, he said you who knew that you were getting that this you weren't even halfway into his career yet you know and that so many highlights um and i just i i when i think of that i am it makes me grateful that how much have we had in this second you know wind of the the band in him yeah yeah Yeah. um is that so? The question is, what do I think of that? Or, or uh, mostly, I'm just telling you a story. There wasn't oh, yeah, a question. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and I agree with you. And and I think, um, uh, you know, I, I, you're not going to like the reference, but whenever they asked Tom Brady about, um, you know, 
yeah. the next, about, you know, what's your favorite Super Bowl? He always says, you know, it's the next one. And, yeah. and I still have that mentality. Like, you know, I saw um, uh, the last tour and he was at Fenway and he almost beat his world record by, he missed it by six minutes. Yeah. You know, and I think like halfway through the show, he wasn't even done with uh, the wild and the innocent. Like, you know, he was, yeah. like, you know, and, and I'm like, I, I was like, oh my God, this is just like, it gave me chills what he was pouring into the show. And so like, you're right in Providence. I would, you know, I could have thought, well, <laughs> I'm out, you know, that's yeah. what the music's going to get. And then 40 years later that, you know, and so what's next? As a fan, how did you feel about Brady uh, moving on and getting another Super Bowl? I'm sorry. We have a really bad connection. Oh, here. Uh... Um, <laughs> it, it, um, we're talking about Wayne Brady being on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's, uh, there are things we don't speak of. Okay. Um, here in New England. No, I mean, good for him, you know. It, yeah. It, it, should it have happened and what, you know, I mean, sport, we are an angst-driven sports town, regardless of yes. victories. Uh, I'll give you an example. The, the Super Bowl game, Malcolm Butler's interception, you know, against Seattle, whatever. Yeah. I turn on sports radio the next day. We have just won the Super Bowl. And people are calling in going, yeah, you know, it shouldn't have come down to that because uh, in the second quarter, I don't know why Belichick decided to, like, they're, they're not happy with what happened in the second quarter. They're not, like, happy we won the Super Bowl. They're breaking yes. down the mistakes that were made that, that forced us into a situation where Mal Malcolm Butler had to save the day. I mean, that's how miserable we are. Okay. Well, and you know, I'm, I, uh, you know, no, no. Yeah. I, I just, I'm always curious because, um, you know, in Dallas, it has been so long since we have been relevant as a football team. Um, and Cowboys, America's team, Tom Landry. Right. Oh my God. He and my, my wife asked the question, why are they, still the America's team. And I asked her, I said, um, you know, what's what's the best part of waking up? And she says, Folgers in your cup. I said, do you know how many years it's been since that commercial was live, you know, was on? I, I, I said, but it's part of the psyche. So that's why it's America's team. It's just, you know. Right. Um, uh, the leaders were part of like the, yeah. the, the persona of the team, the, yeah. the, the winning, the, the Landry, the, you know, the glory, you know, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so my son is a huge sports fan. He is quick to tell you he was born in 1989, but during Landry was still coached in. Wow. Jerry didn't buy the team till a couple weeks after he was born. So he says, I'm a Landry baby. Uh, and, you know, he, um, so he, he barely had sports consciousness. He barely had consciousness during those Aikman Super Bowls. And so he has just spent his, you know, the past 25, 26 years of just watching them. You know, like, I just want to get to an NFC championship game, dad. Like, yeah. I, you, I just want to get us where we're relevant, you know? So you know, there are 20 year olds that don't understand losing here in New England. Right. You know? Like, and, and I mean, you know, and I grew up, you know, when, when they were like three and seven or, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, uh, they were, you know, not relevant at all. And I didn't really like football. I was really more of a hockey person, but the last 20 years we have been so spoiled. Like, honestly, like the start of the season, 
the discussion would be who we might be playing in the Super Bowl. I mean, yes, you know, like like if any, you know, probably everyone in Texas now is going to like you know find me and kill me. No, like, no, you know, but but that was our that's been our mantra. And this last year, I think we now realize what it's like to be Cleveland and Detroit and all of these other towns that wonder when they're going to get it together. I remember in 87 or 88, someone called into Norm Hitzkus, who was the, he still does sports talk. And uh, they said, well, Norm, so who do you think we're going to play in the playoffs? And Norm goes, I don't know if the Cowboys are going to make the playoffs. You know, this was toward the end, this was toward the end of the Landry era, right? And there, you know, after 20 straight years of making the playoffs, that wasn't, you don't even debate, right? Yeah. Who are you going to play? Yeah. Especially in the AFC East. I mean, it it was a joke forever. Yeah, exactly. So that's interesting. Um, And I was, was you know, I, I, my first real happy sports memories, Bobby Orr flying through the air. So I, I jumped on hockey and I spent 40 miserable years waiting for that cup to come back, you know? And so I understand how other sports towns feel by focusing on that sport, but football yeah. we've just been spoiled. Yeah, and and actually baseball f- for yeah, all baseball. those you know for all those droughts, yeah. and then have actually yeah. So um, that's good. That's interesting. I'm assuming everyone in Texas and every other state just hates New England for sports wise for all of what what they've brought to the table for the last 10, 15 years. You know what what I found interesting is the amount of hate Brady got because of his um, quote unquote supportive president Trump, you know, and, and that was, um, I, I've tried to limit my, now if, if, if a, if a celebrity is very, um, it depends on their political leanings. I try to separate it between them, maybe because I don't want someone to be against Bruce because he's so left leaning, you know, right. but I try not to be, I try to be fair to others. I know sometimes they're just jerks on Twitter or social media. And then I go, well, it's, it's cause you're a jerk. It's not because you uh, tend to be more conservative, but uh, there was a lot of hate about Brady more about that than going and all I do is from my perspective I think it's fascinating that someone of his age goes to a another team and yes it was a good team but he's able to figure out a way you know with this new coach new system and win the Super Bowl uh I just think good for the old man he seems Springsteen-esque in the like okay well this is it you know even Giselle supposedly said to him like you know, at the football, at the Super Bowl celebration in Tampa, have you proven enough yet? You know, or something. That's yeah. supposedly the quote from her. You know, like, and he's thinking, like, eh, probably not. You know, yeah. Uh, and and you know, maybe you know, people say, hey, Bruce, why don't you just chill and just you know, write jingles for commercials or whatever. And you know. the only time I've gotten really angry is um, and more frustrated, I guess. But someone mm-hmm. on Facebook tweeted or posted after Letter to You came out that. Um, you know, I wish Bruce would quit putting out new albums because he's tarnishing his reputation. And I went, okay, that's full of crap. You know, he could put out 10 mediocre albums and he would, he's got nothing to prove. 
right? Yeah. I mean, it's like Michelangelo. Hey, that's a nice statue, David. Love it. Why don't you just, you know, yeah, take up accounting now? No, you, that's you can't stop. Yeah, Stand-up comedy. You know, I mean, uh, any <clears throat> anything where you're pouring your a piece of your soul out, you can't. Yeah. And regardless of whether it's well received or not, yeah. You know? Bruce isn't going, huh, I wonder if a letter to you will work or not. No, it's just, it's got to come out. Right. Um, is there anything I should have asked you, Dave, that I haven't, as I've kept you over an hour, and I um, apologize? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. Okay. Um, it's nice to talk about Springsteen and not have people go, okay, we need to step three feet away. <laughs> uh, I thank you for that, and I... I will tell you, I'm told that more, yeah. more often than not, that people are like, no, I love talking to someone who wants to talk about this, who gets right, it. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like people are like, oh, I like Springsteen. Like, oh my God. And they're like, well, I went to a show in 84. You know, that was pretty cool. I'm like, oh, okay. yeah. Sorry. Um, well, you yeah. had kind of a list of things we might talk about. And one, yeah. one that really surprised me because I never thought it was a question. Yeah. It was about Mary. Yes. So, um, this is how I end every show. Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, 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 you're good. It, um, so um, this is my version of the actor's studio. You know how he would ask these questions oh, yeah. at the end of it? Uh, that's what my buddy Bob said. He says, man, you've turned into this. Um, so a guy named Jay. <laughs> yes, exactly. So Jay Armstrong is a retired um, English teacher, but uh, for the longest time, um he taught honor taught english and specifically honors english at a school in philadelphia Mm -hmm. and his senior english class they would take apart thunder road as um a poem they would yeah they would they would break down the lyrics he'd talk about the themes uh you know compare it to robert frost you know the road not taken and other classic poems and then at the end of the two days he would ask the question does mary get in the car at the end of thunder road so dave that is your question and until i heard the question i never thought it was a question right and maybe like maybe it's a test of whether you're an optimist or a pessimist i don't know um i never thought mary didn't get in that car right there is so much like he is making such a case for why she should be in that car that I would have got in a car. Yes. <laughs> you know. Um and so yes, Mary gets in the car. And honestly, like if I close my eyes and think it breaks my heart to think that she didn't. Yeah. Um, you know, it goes back to I want to know if love is wild, I want to know if love is real. If Mary doesn't get in the car, then that line isn't true. And and I, I I never thought she didn't. I, I just thought that they took that chance and and not not saying it ended happily ever after or anything, but I'm saying they she took that chance. And he he's making a case that is really not even it's not sexual, it's it's longing for another. It's it's um it's going down that, you know, tunnel of love, you know. Um and I, I never, until I heard the question, ever thought that she didn't get in that car. Well, that's a good answer. I appreciate that. And I was glad I could give you different things to think about it. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts you want to share with uh, me or my audience? Um, no, this is, this is great. I, I you know, um, 
Yeah, there you know, like like any group, there are crazies on the fringe, you know. Yes. And, and Springsteen groups have them, you know. Any any group from you know whatever you belong to, a uh, book club, you know, there can be cult like people that. But I, the people I have met, have seemed to have a level of sincerity, a level of. Um, I don't want to say they're smarter than other people. That, that that's not what I'm trying to say. There's a a level of intuition. Like if you get this music, if you get the arc of this story, if you understand the scope and the humanity and the, you know, as Bruce says, the, the place between the American dream and the American reality that we all struggle with in our souls, in our lives, in our personal lives, in our big picture lives as a country, as a nation. Like if you understand it, that big, wide, deep breath, then you are a different kind of person than someone that just wants to shut up and sing, play the hits. You know, it's, you You understand that this is a living, breathing work of art that will continue until he dies, you know, as far as uh, production. And, but that message will linger. I think it's, it's it, again, like John Steinbeck, you can read John Steinbeck, he's long gone. Those tales of humanity still resonate and they're still, those struggles are real. Those yeah. stories are still true. And, and so when I meet Springsteen people that are into it like that, I just find it's a very different, well, that's a class of people. It's, it's not a have and have not. It just, it's nice to work with people or talk with people that, like yourself that have that appreciation of what this work really means. As, and, and because most people on the surface just see me as a middle-aged white guy that's trying to rock out and relive his glory days. And yet, no, it has nothing to do with that. Um, the, this is art and I am in love with the art and it's nothing to do with the artist. Yeah. Uh, I, I, well said my friend. And I think, you know, the, one of the beauties of doing this podcast now for over five years is the diversity of how many people have joined me. Um, I've had people from around the world, uh, people who, our, our age uh, to, um, I have a p episode coming out this week where I have a, um, a 20 year old and a 16 year old. The 16 year old lives in Spain. The 19 year old lives in New Orleans. They met online. They have developed a great friendship all out of Bruce's music, yeah. you know, and, um, and it is the, the diversity. And I do find and I'm biased, but the amount of passion that Springsteen fans have about the music and each other seems to be, and I, I assume maybe the Grateful Dead has that same kind of view. Maybe they don't too. realize it the next morning. Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, it, it, so yeah, it's something really well done. Um, so you mentioned you are very seldom on Twitter, but is there, if someone wants to reach you, um, how can they? Uh, Facebook is probably the, the best way to go. Okay. Uh, I think I've made one tweet, and I think I, it says this is my first tweet. That, <laughs> might, that might have been five years ago. I, I, um, uh, I would go with um, uh, Dave Decker Comedy okay. uh, Facebook, uh, or just find Dave Decker on Facebook, and okay. uh, um, that's probably the best way to go. Sounds good. Well, my friend, this was a blast. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, after you've done a deep dive in Letter to You, uh, how about come back and we do a discussion on the album? I'm, I'm in.
All right, that sounds good. Great. Thank you. Well, thank you. Hang tight. Um, Listeners, I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Um, It's it's always interesting to make a new friend. Uh, For now, please remember to social distance. Um, Remember to wash your hands. Remember to wear a mask. Ignore the Texas governor. And uh, let's all be good to each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this for now. Thank you. Goodbye. We'll talk to you soon. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlessingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Bruce shirts, as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listing Bruce. Set Listing Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. I thought you were I, going to answer. Someday we'll look back on this and it'll all seem funny. That's not a bad uh, line. I, yeah. I've done different. I've seen you further. I'll see you further down the road. Yeah. You know, I, I, in the land I, of hopes and dreams. Yeah, and, I just have never worked out a, a yeah, good catch out. Uh, but I think about that. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com 
Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 